Hello and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We have made it halfway through the week, so we're on the downhill side now. We want to welcome everyone to our evening's broadcast and especially welcome to any first time viewers who may have joined us, uh, whether live or, or afterwards, so welcome. Also, I want to give a special welcome to those of you who are faithful and show up here every Wednesday night because you know what to expect and you still come back. So thank you for that. If you want more info about Newark UPC, the place to go is newarkupc.info. And those of you who do tune in on a nightly basis, you're probably tired of hearing about newarkupc.info and how you can go there to join a small group and go there to find out about Kids Hub and teen classes and all kinds of wonderful things. So tonight I decided to feature something that we haven't been mentioning, which is in our general information card, you can go there and leave us feedback or you can go there and ask a question. And we will be thrilled to get some, some input from you or uh, respond to your questions. So that's a little bit different from our normal uh, normal rote routine that we say every time. So uh, general information card, feedback and questions is a place to go for that. Let's begin by prayer and then we'll get back, get on into our Bible study for the night. Dear God, thank you for bringing us together tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability to join with our friends and, and church family safely and still have the freedom and the ability to learn about you and study your word. Help me tonight and help us to bind together and also learn about you and leave a little better than we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you may know that the week's theme is, ooh, that's gross, about yucky passages from the Bible. I thought before we announced it and before I went and checked, I thought it was dude, that's gross, which would also be okay, I guess. But no, it's ooh, that's gross, yuck. So tonight I have a very yucky passage and uh, I, I it's not an unfamiliar passage, but um, it, it is plenty yucky, you'll see. Proverbs 26 verse 11. You don't usually think of Proverbs as being yucky, but this one is. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. So let me reread that because it's really gross. Think about how gross this is. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. His or her foolishness, it should say, because we women are guilty of the same exact thing. Yuck, gross, nasty. I am a nurse by training. I am a mother of five children. I have experienced plenty of yuck in my life, but one of my least favorite, probably, probably my least favorite bodily function is vomiting. I can handle blood all day long. I can even handle feces. Urine isn't bad at all, but vomit, I just about add some to it. So um, that's what we're talking about tonight. I think that's that fits within the category of gross yuck. Uh, let me, let me uh, give a little bit of context, and that is that dogs in the Bible times, which is a very large time, okay, but dogs in, in the biblical world were not the cute little fluffy man's best friend uh, animals that you see on my backdrop here. Um, they were not, uh, they were not specially bred. They were feral strays, mangy things that um, honestly, if my experience, which isn't a whole lot, but experiences of, of visiting developing countries is is similar to this, I think, um, on the streets of Cuba, on the streets of Mexican villages, uh, out in the rural areas. Caleb tells me on the streets of Paraguay, 
um, there are dogs and they are not anything you want to go up and pet. They look like they have fleas and ticks. And uh, usually if it's a female, it's, it's either pregnant or, or nursing its pups. Um, and they just look nasty. Um, as a side note, Nigeria does not have dogs on the street because in Nigeria they eat the dogs. But um, in Cuba and especially Cuba, it seemed like they were just yuck. They weren't our fluffy man's best friend type of animal. So think of that in in this context, because that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Have you ever seen just this, some strays or that kind of thing that look like nobody's ever loved them? Uh, that's that's what we have here. Whatever the case, even for the the cute fluffy dogs, like like on my backdrop, um, if you have ever owned a dog, you understand this scripture in a very poignant and tangible way. Dogs eat nasty things. Dogs eat poop, and dogs eat vomit. If you've ever had a dog and you hear him retching in the next room, you know you better get there quick and get him away from his stuff because retch, retch, slurp, slurp, slurp is the thing you're going to hear and it is disgusting. And then that dog's going to want to lick you. Lovely thought. That's a different topic. This is why I don't let dogs lick me. Uh, so what's the point of this beyond just me grossing everybody out? Well, it is kind of an interesting thing that we don't ever do in our Bible studies generally is gross people out. But uh, there is a point. So let's look at the point behind this, this verse. Remember, the verse is, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his or her foolishness. This same proverb is used in the New Testament. So in, in the book of 2 Peter, Peter is speaking of false prophets and he's warning the people reading his letter. 2 Peter 2, verses 17 through 22. These false prophets are as useless as dried up sprigs or as mist blown away by the wind. That's that's pretty useless. There's not much use for either of those things. They are doomed to black as darkness. Peter is not pulling any punches. He's not being complimentary at all. He's not wishy-washy. He is condemning these false prophets. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. They, uh, they're, they're not shy about how wonderful they are. And uh, not only are they not shy about how wonderful they are, but they really aren't that wonderful. And it's empty, foolish boasting. I've heard, and you can disagree or agree with this, but I've heard people say it, it, it's not bragging if it's true. Well, with these people, it wasn't even true. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. We need to be careful who our friends are. We need to be careful who influences us. He's not talking about people in the world, though that is true also. We need to be careful who influences us from, from outside the church. But these were people who were within the church. And he's saying they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. Folks, it's not, unfor unfortunately, it's not just people within the world who can be bad influences on us, whether it be um, outright sexual impurity, such as these people were, were participating in and luring people back into, or whether it's just bad attitudes. Bad attitudes are are much more contagious than the coronavirus. They catch negative, uh, negative talk, criticizing people, making fun of people, being bigoted. Um, 
gossiping, minding things that isn't your business, my business, those things are all found easily within most churches, unfortunately. And Paul is saying to these people, be careful of these, these people and stay away from them. They are false prophets. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Let me reread that. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. We are all slaves because we're all controlled by things. I want to be a slave to God, which is a biblical way to put it. He bought me. I was on the, uh, there's a song. I was on the auction block of sin and God bought me. And why did he buy me? He bought me to set me free. He didn't buy me to use me and abuse me. He bought me to set me free from all of those things that had had me bound before. Um, we are slaves, though, to something. So make sure that what you're a slave to is the thing that sets you free, which is godliness. He sets us free from all of those bondages. Verse 20 says, And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so they've escaped, and then they get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. That is a little bit counterintuitive, but because it would seem like, well, if you've gotten out at all, at least you're, you're a little better off than you were before, but that's not what the scripture says. It says, if you get out and then you go back to your wickedness, it's even worse than before. Verse 21, it would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. So get ready, here it comes. Verse 22, they prove the truth of this proverb, a dog returns to its vomit. And another says, a washed pig returns to its mud. We know the source of a dog returns to its vomit, that's in Proverbs. The a washed pig returns to its mud is not biblical. It's, it comes from probably a folk tale that was very ancient in origin. Um, but this was a major insult. Both pigs and dogs in ancient Israel, ancient Judea, were unclean animals, both as we've talked about them wandering the streets, they were just filthy, yucky, gross animals. But they also were unclean by the law. In order to be kosher or clean, uh, a, a four-footed animal had to chew its cud and have split hooves like a goat or a cow. A rabbit chews its cud but doesn't have split hooves, so it's not clean. A camel has split hooves and I believe does not chew its cud. No. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't chew its cud. Um, a dog or pig doesn't do either. So they were both unclean by hygiene. They were both unclean by ceremony. Um, here's another example, biblical example of what was thought of dogs and pigs again in the same sentence and in the same category. Matthew 7 verse 6 says, Do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before pigs. See, they're put right in the same sentence, the same category. Don't give what's holy to dogs and don't throw your pearls before pigs. Otherwise, they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So we all know how how dirty pigs are. We don't normally think of dogs that way because the dogs are the cute, fluffy, well-bred, uh, tame animals that we have. But that was not the case in 
in the biblical world. Neither was something you wanted to be called. So a little uh, a little insert here. Think about Leela's uh, Bible uh, lesson last night, where she talked about Lazarus and all of his open, gross, yucky sores, and these dogs licking his sores. So not only was it gross because he had sores and the dog was licking him, which is gross in itself, but um, that they were they would have been the stray dogs. So his friends were these mangy, nasty animals. We're talking about someone returning to nasty things. The nature of wanting to return to nasty things makes the creature nasty. Um, that's what makes these people that return to their foolishness fools. They weren't born fools, but their behavior makes them in the category of fools. People aren't necessarily fools, but if they return to foolishness after leaving it, they're fools. That's what the Bible says. Once you've gotten rid of it, why would you go back to it? And if you do, it doesn't say good things about you. So let's deal with this concept of going back to what you've gotten rid of. And yes, I'm going to get gross again, but let's say that dogs do this nasty thing in this proverb because they think that they're eating food and they're not wrong. It is food. It's just yucky, nasty, partially digested food. Okay. I think that's maybe as gross as it gets. It's not generally dangerous for the dog to do this, except if the vomiting was caught. Oh, sorry, we're not done. If the vomiting was caused from their body trying to get rid of a toxin or a sickness, in which case it is dangerous because they got poisoned, they threw it up, and then they go right back to it and take it in again. It's extremely dangerous. And to use this analogy, that's exactly what the Bible is talking about. God cleans us up. He gets rid of the harmful, toxic, nasty things in our lives. And we need to not go back to those things and take them back in. We should stay away from the dangerous filth that we've gotten out of our lives. Why would we go back to being a slave when we've been set free? And we need to realize, just like the false prophets, that others who do that, it's not a good thing. This is not someone to listen to and follow and model our lives off of. This is someone who Peter was calling out as a false prophet and stay away from them. In the book of Hebrews, the writer talks of milk and meat. And some of you may be familiar with that passage, but he talks about uh, mature saints should be able to handle meaty topics. And they, when you're a mature person, you stop having to be fed milk all the time and you go on to eating more solid foods. And he's, he's talking about that thing, uh, not being a baby who can take only the gentlest, most basic things. Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 12. Verse 1 says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Now, I spoke a few weeks ago on why the refrain, and it is important for us to hear things and the basics again and again, but we should also be able to handle some more meaty topics. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. 
So that's the context of some stiff direction and warning that's coming up. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. Those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring back people, to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Now, we know that nothing is impossible with God. He, uh, he speaks of it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than, than it's harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. But then he follows it by saying all things are possible. I think this is the same kind of thing. Um, some hyperbole here with him saying it's impossible because with God, nothing is impossible. And I have seen people who have turned away from God come back to God, but it's very hard. And honestly, it's quite rare. The person has already known the truth and left their old sinful ways. And then they turn back to them. It's like a dog going back to its vomit. He's saying that the act of us simply preaching the gospel, which they've already heard and experienced, isn't going to phase them. It's not going to reach them. Now, he continues with a warning in the form of another analogy. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. And honestly, I don't think this applies to my audience here tonight either. I hope it doesn't. This is not a you're in big trouble, you're sunk message. This is a beware, be careful, stay away from the influence of these people, like Peter was telling his people. He's saying be a leader, not a follower. Uh, this verse we were reading continues. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. And I agree with him about my audience tonight. I'm confident that you were meant for better things rather than going back to your old nasty stuff. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So he's saying, keep on doing what you know to do. Keep on keeping on. And you won't become spiritually dull and indifferent you will inherit God's promises because of your faithfulness and your endurance. He's saying, dig your own well, stay on the path, be vigilant, don't return to your vomit. Mark in your mind those who do return to their vomit, to their filth, and stay away from their influence. I'm not saying you have to cut people off. We don't shun people, but you can make the relationship such that you are influencing them more than they are influencing you. And if that doesn't work, then yes, you should distance yourself from toxic people. People that have a bad toxic influence on your life and encourage you to do bad things. And Peter is making that point. Another example that Jesus told Matthew 12 42 through 45, he says, When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, it passes through arid places, so like desert, dry, wilderness places, 
seeking rest and it does not find it. So whether this man was actually possessed or whether this is just an analogy of the unclean, uh, the uncleanness of him, we aren't sure. Whatever the case, it's still the same product. Then the spirit says, I will return to the house I left. On its return, it finds the house vacant, swept clean, and put in order. Now, I want to, to emphasize a couple points. It has been swept clean, and it has been put in order. So that's a good thing. God cleans up our life. He gets rid of the nasty things and sweeps them out the door, puts everything in order, tidies up. But we need to make sure that our houses are not vacant. We need to be filled with the spirit. We need to be filled with good things. We need to be filled with good habits that God has filled us up with instead of just letting there be a nothing, an empty space. Then this unclean spirit goes and brings with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and dwell there. And the final plight of that man is worse than the first. So will it be with this wicked generation. We need our houses to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit. He fills our house with himself so there's no room for anything else. Now, this has been kind of a stern warning type of message so far. And, and I know some people fight fear. They fight uh, depression. And I want to encourage you that that's not the point of this lesson. The point is a warning, but we don't have to be afraid. He gives us a way of escape. If we keep ourselves tuned into the Holy Spirit in us, according to 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. In other words, you're not the first one to go through the stuff you're going through. Other people have experienced it before. And God is faithful. He's been faithful to other people before. And this, this is a scripture that's often misquoted. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And we often hear God will not put on you more than you can take, um, which isn't what this scripture is saying. Talking about temptation, he will give us a way out. The catch, though, is that we have to take the way out. We have to take him up on his on his escape route. We can't just keep going down the road we've been doing and then say, oh, God didn't get me out of it. No, he does, he's not going to get us out of it, but he will give us a way of escape. And he loves us. He loves us a lot. John 3 says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. He, he gave himself so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The whole point of him coming was to save us. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. He came to save us. He died for us. He rose for us. And so let us do our part. Let us take the way of escape from temptation. Let us stay away from bad influences and false prophets. And by doing that, let us not return to our own vomit. So I should have said somewhere in there that it's time for questions, but I forgot. So if anybody has questions, now is the time. I am, um, I do have technical help tonight, but my technical help said he didn't want to come on physically. So he's asking, he's just putting up the questions. So a question from Joyce Allen. How can we ensure we're filled with the spirit so that our houses are not empty? That's a very good question. And I think I don't have the specific answer. I think it's different to different people. Though there are some things 
that um, are common among all of us. And I think this some of the things that are common among all of us, I'm going to refer back to our small group lessons that we just came out of with healthy habits. And I'm going to see if I can remember most of those. I know there were six of them. And one of them was being contented. One of them was Bible reading. If I don't think of them, y'all help me here in the comments. Uh, prayer and fasting and gathering together. And I'm missing one. Anyway, those things, I think, are a good place to start. And again, I, I would emphasize that we don't have to be afraid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. So this is not something that we need to be uh, fearful of. It is something we need to be careful of. And if we're listening to the voice of God, he is going to give us those ways of escape and he's going to help us out. So I would say if you're doing what you know to do, then that's part of it. Now, none of us are ever perfect to totally do what we know to do, are we? I'm not. Uh, when I was in school, people, you know, I do poorly or what I thought was poorly on a test and somebody would say, well, did you know, did you do all you could do? Well, no, you never do all you can do. But there's a level at which you're doing what you know to do and you're listening to the voice of God and you're developing that relationship with him. And if you do that, he will let you know uh, if you're going the wrong direction. He came to save us. He doesn't want to just trip, trip us up and trick us and make us fall. So I hope that helps. Uh, not sure it answers the question totally because for each person it's different. Some people it might be um, it might be listening to music and worshiping to that. Some people it might be uh, dancing before the Lord. Some people it might be weeping before the Lord. All of those things. Um, but maintain, dig your own well, and maintain that house filled with the Spirit. Next question, please. Leela Cooper, can you provide some tips, especially for new disciples to help them avoid going back? Oh my, um, yes, I, I think I can. Uh, and a couple of the things I already mentioned, but um, one is, is finding good influences, people being positive for you. And I know that's hard, when you come to the Lord, because sometimes the friends that you have had before are good for you. Um, and sometimes they're not. I know that people who have come from some of those more communal type lifestyles, a lot of times the, the drug culture or way back in the day, it was the hippie culture where um, you shared everything if somebody had something, it was everybody's. If somebody else had something, they'd share it. Um, and those kinds of things, those kinds of relationships where you've been so dependent on each other, and then suddenly you um, start going a different direction. Often those kinds of relationships, unfortunately, have to have to die. And I don't know how else to say it. If you have someone in your life who you can be a good influence on, then go for it. Do that. But if the person is dragging you down and again, pulling you in the wrong direction, be very, very careful that you are not returning to your old ways. And um, it's hard. It's possible to have friends in the world. I don't want to act like you have to only be friends with people in the church. We'll never be a light to the world if we do that. But um, you need to have friends who build you up in your in your lifestyle of following God and not that pull you away. And I know that's very hard often to do. The Another tip that I would say, and it goes right along with that, is to stay away from the places that are hard for you. If you are an alcoholic and, and you're problem was, you know, hanging out in bars, then don't 
darken the door of a bar again ever in your life. Honestly, I could probably go in a bar and I'd be fine because I don't have that tendency. But other people cannot. So you have to know yourself, know your own weaknesses, set yourself up with accountability. If your problem is pornography, for instance, there are things you can do. Uh, set up your computer, make yourself accountable to people in your life. There are things you can do to, to put guardrails up. And uh, those are the tips I would say for people who are, who are trying to leave uh, the bad lifestyles. I would also say if, you're, if your problem is an addiction, then, then get help. If it's a medical, if it's you know a drug or, or smoking or even unhealthy eating habits, those kinds of things, talk to your doctor. If it's something that would be helpful by going to a, you know, an AA or an NA or some of those groups, then if that helps you and it's not those negative influences pulling you back in, um, then I'd say go for it. Find what works for you and what feeds your, your spirit and what fills your house with the spirit, as Joyce's question said. And, uh, and do those things. It's up to us to us and God, but it's up to us to hear from God and, and see what he leads us to do. And he will lead us. He will give us those ways out of temptation. Next question. What are some things we can do to help us to have a healthy diet and not go back to the vomit of this world? Ooh, I like the way that was phrased. Um, what are some things we can do to help us have a healthy diet? Again, I would point to those to those healthy habits. Um, keep yourself around. I'm, I'm doing a broken record here. Keep yourself around people who are good for you. Uh, attend small group. Attend the nightly broadcast. Keep yourself fed. Read your Bible. If you're one of those people that likes to do devotionals, you know, a book where it has a little a little scripture and a thought for the day or those kinds of things, do that. If you're a journaler or, or I like to do hand lettering, so I'll hand letter scriptures sometimes. Um, all of those things are, are good, healthy diets and um, staying away from the junk food of the world, staying away from the, the arsenic of the world is, is important and make sure that you're full of the good things. And so you're not bored or, or hungry for, for influences of some kind and you turn to the bad influences that can take us back to our, our vomit, our emesis, I'll call it emesis maybe. That's the, that's the nursing word for it. Um, so do we have another question? How can the body, ooh, this is good. How can the body, I assume that's the body of Christ, help the members of the body of Christ keep going in the right direction? Um, that is the other side of it, isn't it? Instead of how can we make ourselves healthy? How can we help other people be healthy? Uh, be that good influence. Don't be the person who um, is is being a drag. Don't be the gossip. It, it's okay to care about people. It's not okay to tell things it isn't your business. And there is a balance between those two things. Um, if you wouldn't want something talked about, or if you know someone else wouldn't want something talked about, then you don't talk about it. Attend your small group faithfully. Be there for your small group members. Um, I know some groups are more active than others on the Facebook thing, the Facebook groups, but um, interact with that. Be there for the people who you're responsible to and who you're responsible for. Do what you know to do. Do what you can do. And again, we have a rather large church. I can't uh, take a casserole to everybody. I can't... Uh, do anything really for everybody in the church, but there are people who I know when they come to my mind, then, then I try to do something for them. Sometimes I'll, um, I'll be just going along my day uh, and, and think of someone 
maybe they haven't been to church in 15 years. Maybe it's someone I grew up with. Haven't thought of them in years and I'll pray for them. I don't know what good that does, but I think it does some good. So do what you know to do. Stay connected with the body. Uh, be there. I, I guess probably the main thing I would say is, is be there. Don't be in a hurry. Don't um, shut yourself off and, and be available to be a friend, to be a brother or a sister to the people that are around you. Oh, thank you. The other healthy habit from small groups was giving. Yes. And that is a very important one because it kills our flesh. And uh, honestly, when someone is starting to go back to their vomit, that is one of the first things that, um, that goes is that giving because it, it's, it's killing our flesh and we don't like our flesh killed if we are going back to our vomit. Um, do we have any other questions? Oh, good. What advice would you give to disciples to help them lead the stray dogs away from the vomit? Oh, very, very nice. See this, this, uh, theme is, it's gross, but it has a point. It gets our attention. Um, so the, I guess this person is asking, I guess Scott is asking, um, to help the people in the world or to help the people in the church. I've already dealt with the people in the church with Leela's question. So I'm going to assume he's talking about how can we help people um, in the world? If that's not right, then, then let me know and I'll answer that too. But uh, the balance of reaching for people in, in, I keep saying in the world and in the church, but, um, people who don't know Jesus, I'll put it that way, uh, who don't know Jesus in the truth and the spirit. We see in the Bible that Jesus reaches for them. He doesn't cut himself off from them. Now, we know that Jesus didn't sin. So he wasn't going to go back to his vomit because he didn't have any vomit. But he was not afraid of being around sinners those around us that are not in the right direction already. Yes. So Jesus was actually accused of, of hanging out with drunks and prostitutes and, and nasty people, people that were rejected. Um, we've already talked about losers last week, but he was known for hanging out with losers. So we don't have to be uh, afraid of, of being around people who don't know Christ. We should be as long as they're not that bad influence on us, we should be around them. We should be reaching for them. We should be being kind to them and not Bible thumping or, or preaching at them, but just being kind and letting our, letting the word shine out through us in the way that we live. Again, you have to be careful know yourself and know your weaknesses. There are some people who are bad influences um, and, and you don't need those relationships that aren't healthy. But I would say probably that kindness and, and attention, which is kindness, and spending time with people, being friends with people, and showing them what God, showing them by example, what God has done in your life. And it's amazing what that can do. In fact, the people that tend to be um, the best evangelists, so to speak, or the people who, who spread the word most effectively are often those people who have just come out of the world and they still have those connections. They still have people who knew what they used to be and know what they are like now. And it really gets their attention. So I would say live a holy life, live a kind life. And, um, and it does really reach people. And uh, I, those, some of you who are on that um, came to the Lord in adulthood can probably, probably testify to that. Uh, for example, Leela, people that meet Leela now, 
they know who Leela is. She's, you know, executive pastor at a church. So it's no surprise that she's going to act in a certain way. But when Leela first came to the Lord, uh, she wasn't. She, she was pregnant with Tina, um, wasn't married. And, and her turnaround in her life, I know she wouldn't mind me saying this, was a huge light to the people in her life. And it got their attention and, and they noticed it. Now they know who she is and they know what she stands for. And it's not a surprise, but it can really be a good surprise for people. Any more questions? How can Christian youth strengthen and encourage their peers in their Christian lifestyle? Oh, that's a good one because young people need each other and um, they need parents too. Obviously they need grandparents. They need people in the church who are good influence, but um, it's also very hard when you're in a youth, I guess you'd call it a youth group or a group of youth, so to speak in a church that isn't living the right way or the youth who are returning to their emesis, so to speak. Um, that's tough. And I like the way that question is phrased because it's not how can you stay away from, um, how can youth be stronger, which is also important, but how can they strengthen and encourage each other? I would say by example, first of all, kindness again, kindness is huge all around. And when you see somebody going the wrong direction, um, kindly call them out on it and say, I don't know if you should be doing that. I don't, I, I don't think that's a good thing to listen to, or I'm not sure that's a good thing to watch. Have you, have you thought about that? Um, have you checked on, on that? Um, and just kindly call them out on it privately, not in front of everybody else. Um, and be kind, but then there's a point at which, if people are wanting to return to their vomit, you can't, you can't stop them. So you have to get away from them. But I would say be kind, uh, be in the youth group, attend the, you know, the Wednesday night classes, which is, I'll do a plug for that. Following this, we'll have that. And you can find that information at newworkupc.info. And um, so try to be there for each other probably the biggest thing is just to live a holy and godly lifestyle yourself. And that really, really helps. It seems simple, but it really, really helps. Anything else? In Revelation 3, it mentions God will spew out those that are lukewarm. Can you talk about this? Yes, I can. Um, I think that... This actually ties into the scriptures where it talks about it would be better if the people had never known um, because it, it's better to be either um, you don't know God, you, you've never known the love of Jesus because then you're open to it. Or on, obviously, if you're living a godly lifestyle uh, as a, a believer, a disciple, but then this thing where people come in and then go back out and then come in and go back out or they just don't ever come back in. I think that's the that's the thing that's really hard to reach um, for them. They've kind of made their decision already and it's it's hard for for God to get through to them because they've rejected it, so to speak. Uh, how would you interpret don't cast your pearls before swine? Ah, I like this one. Um, I have a more modern saying that I prefer because I don't have pearls and I don't have swine. Um, I'm not sure it helps the one I'm thinking of. I don't have a cow either. But the phrase I like to say is don't try to teach a cow to sing because it wastes your time and frustrates the cow. Um, I think that's kind of the idea. Because if we have good things, then um, what's the use of putting them before something that's just going to trample under them? Uh, pigs can't appreciate pearls. And uh, so it, it takes our good things and wastes them. And probably 
um, to tie into this lesson, it would be taking the good things that we've known and, and giving them away to things that don't matter, <clears throat> that don't appreciate it. Um, kind of watching over here to the side. I don't know if there's any more questions. I have a funny story that I'm going to tell until other questions come up. There's a, a, a physicist who was going around the country um, speaking at colleges, and it was a very intricate subject. And he was, I don't know, I'm going to make this up. He, you know, he'd won the Nobel Prize, and he was, he was this great grand person. And he had a driver. I guess he was an older man. And so he had a driver who was driving him around. And at every one of his lectures, this chauffeur would sit in the back until one day he says to the physicist, I, um, I could give your lecture word for word and nobody would ever know that it was me. And so they did. They switched places. And the physicist sat in the back with the chauffeur's cap on and the chauffeur gave the lecture and so at the end of the um end of the lecture the person hosting it said we we have a little time for questions so if you have any questions for dr so and so you can ask him now now's the time to ask him so somebody stood up and asked about some intricate physics question and the chauffeur was stuck and he said because, um, of course, he didn't know physics. He just knew how to give the lecture word for word. And he said, um, that's such a simple answer that I'm going to let my chauffeur in the back of the room answer it. So tonight I have my husband being my technical help. And uh, I suppose if I needed to, I could say, uh, I'm going to let my technical, that's such a simple question. I'm going to let my technical advisor answer that question. But so far we haven't needed to do that. It was nice to know that I had some training wheels. Um, if you have any other questions, you can uh, you can ask them. Otherwise, um, trying to think of funny stories about dogs. I don't have any funny stories about dogs. I guess we did have a dog who had a, had a stomach problem. And it was not pretty because this lesson was a very real thing in our house. Um, yeah, it was nasty. Don't be like a dog. And also probably don't let dogs lick you on the mouth. But anyway, the saying that dogs' mouths are cleaner than humans, I really am not sure of. That doesn't make much sense to me. So I'm not much of a dog lover. That's probably why my husband is. He loves dogs. They lick him on the mouth and he doesn't do anything. What happened to my dog? Well, <laughs> we've, we've gone off the rails. Um, we had a cute little miniature pincher and Candace got, um, was born. Candace was younger than the dog. So Candace was born and she was highly allergic to the dog. So we gave it to Nick and Renee Cohen and um, it has since passed. It actually died probably of the, of the stomach problem, but he was a, he was a sweet and very disobedient dog. He flunked obedience school. It was not pretty. I have something else funny to show you while I'm waiting for more questions. And otherwise my technical advisor is going to come on here and tell me that we're done. But anyway, I have a, a bottle. My, when I'm doing these broadcasts, my lips get dry. So I have a bottle of like Vicks Vaporub. And behind me, I have a green screen. And it's funny, the Vicks Vaporub is the same color as the green screen. So if I hold it up here, it thinks the Vicks Vaporub is a green screen. That's funny. Anyway. Oh, thank you, Amy, for, for rescuing me. Can you share a testimony of helping someone, maybe when working as a nurse, that you helped come out of a difficult way of life or that you encouraged? Hmm. That's
that's a good question. I think this is this is uh, a little different than maybe what you expected, but I honestly can't think of any big moments. I suppose maybe there have been, you know, the the suicidal friend that I helped, or the the person who had, you know, was was in the doldrums or or something like that. I really can't think of that. I hope that my life has been a testimony on a daily basis. Um, I can say, and I won't say who it was, but I can say that my headaches, which are the thorn in my side, quite thorn in my head, I guess, literally, that um, I've asked God to heal me of time and time again. I have had a person, maybe people even, come to me and say, um, it's been a real help to me to watch you keep on keeping on when I know you're in pain. And that, I guess, is not a real fun, exciting story. But it is a, it's the way normally it happens. It's just we live our lives and it kind of overflows onto people. Now, if there's some big thing that I need to be doing, hopefully I do it. And I might have even done it. I might have something I get off the broadcast and go, oh, I should have talked about that. Uh, but right now, I can't think of any big thing. I hope, though, that I have been a good influence. I have friends that, that I think I have helped. Um, I try to use social media in that way. I hope it works. Um, social media can be a real pain, but it can also be a blessing that we can encourage each other. My husband had a, a, a post just this week from another pastor. He doesn't even know that really encouraged him and helped him. And um, so sometimes we are, we are being an influence and, and really don't even know it. But that, that daily walk, that kindness that we show to others and we don't have to be perfect. I certainly haven't been perfect. I've stuck my foot in my mouth. I've failed. I've, misjudged people, all these awful things. Um, but we keep on keeping on and we try to live that kind of honest, but kind life. You had friends who were not in church growing up. What made those successful friendships? Oh, that's a great question. And that's probably the last one. Um, I did. I went to public high school. I went to public school all the way through, actually. Um, I was not homeschooled. I didn't go to Christian school. I was in public school. Now, it was a very good public school. It had a very good honors program, AP program. Uh, but I was in I was in public high school. I went to a um, it was a private university, but it wasn't a Christian university by any stretch. And um, I came also from a small church. And so I was the youth group, basically. For, for most of the time, I was in high school at least. And the, the other young people that were around, I guess you could say they were just kind of around. They weren't necessarily making really wonderful choices. So um, what made those successful friendships? I will come back to what I said in this lesson, which is they were good influences on me. They were not filled with the Holy Ghost. They were not baptized in Jesus name, but their lifestyle was such that they weren't tempting me to go the wrong way. And they also respected me for what I did choose to do. And if, if they were all, you know, at a, once we turned 21, if we went out to eat and they had a glass of wine and I didn't, they were fine with that. Um, and I didn't tell them not to. That wasn't my business to do. Now, if they had been being a bad influence, trying to get me to do something, that would have been different. But I had some very successful friendships as a young person uh, growing up and in high school and then in college that were with people um, outside of, 
of the church. Uh, when I was when I was working outside the home, I had I had friends at work that um, that. Luckily, when I when I worked in the OR, it was a very large OR and there were just like in high school. It's kind of funny. There were different different groups. There was the Christian group and there was the party group. And, the, you know, um, there was the family family people group. Um, so you can usually I tell young people, you can find people around that respect you. If you can't, then that's rough. You might have to live it alone for a little while until you can get to a place where you can find people that respect you. But generally, you can find people around who at least um, leave you to your beliefs and don't try to be a bad influence on you. All right. I think that's it for tonight. Um, thank you for joining. And if you'd like to know more about us, again, go to newarkupc.info where you can give us a prayer request. You can sign up to be on the prayer team. I did hear recently, this is kind of funny, that our our template that we pulled from our site, uh, when you when you submitted a prayer request, it said thank you, something about thank you for submitting a prayer request, prayer request to Hope Church. And somebody asked if we were changing our name to Hope Church. We are not changing our name to Hope Church. We just hadn't caught that on the template. So hopefully that's been fixed. But if you submitted a prayer request in the past and wondered why we were calling ourselves Hope Church, um, we just hadn't taken it off the template. So if you'd like to submit a prayer request, make a request for a baptism or partner with us in giving, you can go to newarkupc.info. There is teen group tonight. And for that reason, I will sign off. Thank you.